we call this day in the church history, we call it Good Friday, and it seems kind of like a weird phrase to give to a Friday when somebody dies on a cross. But the idea behind that good was not nice, lovely, fun, the way we tend to think of good. The old English from which it came actually meant holy or sacred, revered. This is meant to be sacred Friday, a day when we mourn and confess our sins, we thank God for sending a Savior, and we reflect on the cross and what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. If you go back to the first sacred Friday, the first good Friday, when Jesus was actually dying on the cross, it was a day filled not with good but with evil. Think about all the people that played a part that day. Jesus' best friends betrayed him, denied him, abandoned him. The religious leaders falsely accuse him. They're the ones who get him crucified. Pontius Pilate is a coward. The Roman soldiers are brutal executioners. And everyone that is there at the cross is mocking him. As he's hanging there naked, suffering and dying horrendously, they're laughing at him. It is a day filled with enemies. And as I was reflecting over the past few weeks leading up to this week on the cross, I kept thinking about the enemies that were present. And specifically, the one thing Jesus doesn't do with the enemies and the one thing he does do with his enemies. You know the one thing he doesn't do with his enemies? He doesn't annihilate them. Now, that might sound like a strange thing to think about, but if you think about the picture of who Jesus is, over the past several weeks at Christ Church Vienna, we've been looking at the Gospel of John. And if you trace the Gospel of John, you get the story of a guy named Jesus who has power. He takes water and turns it into wine. In another episode, he's walking on water. In the very next moment, he's feeding 5,000 people with a few loaves. This is Jesus who takes a man who's been born blind and gives him sight for the first time. And a paralyzed guy who's been paralyzed for decades is up walking and running. Lazarus is dead in the tomb for several days and is brought to life. Jesus can do powerful things. Creation is at his hands. In the very beginning of the Gospel of John, the writer tells us about him. He tells us that Jesus was the one through whom all things were made, and nothing was made without him. In him was the life of, of light, the light of life, and all men have life through him. In other words, Jesus is not just a guy. He's the creator. He's the God of the universe. Now, I remember being a kid hearing the story of the crucifixion, and I had some semblance of Jesus being God, and I knew, I knew that he was somewhere above Superman and Iron Man and all the other ones that I had watched and read about. And I wondered why, before they, they hit him with the, the whip, before they nailed the nails in, why he didn't just get him right then. I really did think, he's got him. He's more powerful. He could do one of those things. Instead of calming the storm, he could shut them up and drive them away. Of course, he doesn't. In fact, what's more amazing, if you think about it, if he is who the Bible says he is, his enemies, the ones who are mocking him, the ones who are driving the nails into his wrists, 
They depend on him for their existence. Even as he's hanging on the cross, the next breath of the people who are mocking him depends on him allowing them to live. The heartbeat of the Roman soldiers driving the nails in depends on him allowing their heart to beat. It's not just that Jesus puts up with their abuse. It's more amazing he keeps them alive at all. Think about it. He had no intention of coming down from there. The first thing I see is that he doesn't annihilate his enemies. He lets them live to crucify him. The second thing is what he does. He offers them forgiveness. In the Luke account of the crucifixion, Jesus, hanging on the cross, says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, my enemies, who are crucifying me, who are mocking me, for they don't know what they're doing. You know, in many of the words that Jesus says from the cross, we get it. We understand some of the things that he says. He cries out in agony to the, to the Father, why have you forsaken me? And in compassion, he looks down at his mother, who's now a widow, and says, it, it says, John, my friend, take care of Mary. Take care of her from now on. He's having compassion on his mother as he's hanging there. We could imagine, we could imagine if Jesus is hanging there silent. History is filled with stoic martyrs who bear their pain quietly, who put up with the evil that's put against them, but aren't going to give a cry. They don't want to give their enemies the pleasure of seeing them suffer. But Jesus isn't just silent. It's what Jesus says. He says, Father, forgive them. He has active concern because they are sinning and he knows it. Their evil against him is sin against God and he is heartbroken for them. He has compassion on them knowing that their very actions are self-damning. And Jesus knows that without his extension of forgiveness, they stand no chance. You know, with forgiveness, someone has to pay. Somebody always has to pay when there's forgiveness. So my son and a friend of his were playing golf in the friend's front yard. They had a pitching wedge, and instead of using the plastic golf balls... They were using real golf balls. It's a brilliant idea. I suppose if you're keeping the pitching wedge under control. But neither of them are avid golfers, and one of the balls, possibly hit by my son, shot through a neighbor's window. There's one of two options for that neighbor's window. Either we pay for the window to be replaced, or she forgives it. Now, if she forgives that she still has to pay. She either has to pay for the window or she's going to pay by suffering through the drafty cold, the heat, and the rain coming in there. One way or the other, if she forgives us, she's going to pay. With forgiveness, there's always payment. Jesus' prayer, Father, forgive them, is a prayer that's saying, I will absorb the cost. I will absorb the cost of your evil 
you soldiers who are crucifying me, you religious leaders who are mocking me and falsely accusing me, I will absorb the cost of your evil against me. I will be judged. I will be executed. I will be damned for you. It wasn't the nails that held him there, as the song says. It was his love. Love for his enemies, for the very people who rejected, accused, mocked, killed him. Meaning, what held him there was his love for us as well. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for me, that goes to everything I've done that's been a part of participating in him being crucified. Every way that I've betrayed, denied, rejected, abandoned Christ. It's my gross sin that I still feel guilty about. It's my stupid sin. It's my private sin. It's the embarrassing stuff. It's those things that you do again and again. For all that sin, he says, Father, forgive them. And that includes for those people who have betrayed, offended, and hurt us deeply. He offers forgiveness to them as well, even if we can't. The cross of Christ amazes me. What Jesus does and doesn't do with his enemies is simply unbelievable. And it gives me great hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your death on the cross. We are thankful that we do not have to bear what we deserve, but you have absorbed our sin upon you. Our sin, our sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. sins and my sorrow He made them His very own He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone Oh
I invite you as we continue to prayerfully bring your confession of sin to Christ, to lay it before the cross before we confess together. Let us pray together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to the promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. First John tells us if we confess our sins, he, Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in Colossians, Paul writes to affirm that all of our debts, all the things that we owe to God for our trespasses against him, he set aside, nailing it to the cross, and so we bear it no more. We are forgiven. Our service moves from a time of reflecting here on the cross of Christ, to a time of listening to the passion. As the lights get dimmer as we go through the reading, it'll come up a little bit when we sing a song that all of us will participate in. But much of the time, we invite you simply to reflect, to listen to the words, to hear the words of the songs, and to reflect on what Christ has done for us. Let us join in this prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray together. Most gracious God, look with mercy upon your family gathered here, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, given into sinful hands, and suffered death upon the cross. Strengthen our faith and forgive our betrayals as we enter the way of his passion through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. 
For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money, and he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same.
Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled.
Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you, the living God, tell us that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him. Prophecy to us, you Christ, you who it is that struck you. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do do not know that man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too were one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear. I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly.
When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Then, when Judas's betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed, and he went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, And then they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him on whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them to the potter's field, as the Lord had directed me. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, His wife sent word to him, saying, 
have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. And he said, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. 
And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. And they spit on him, and took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, and put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Serene, Simon, by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture I thirst a jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth when Jesus had received the sour wine he said it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit
And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were set. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into this holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion, those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God.
May Jesus Christ, who for our sake became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, keep you and strengthen you this night and forever. Amen. I invite you to stay and reflect or to depart in peace. Sometimes it causes me to trip.
Thank mm-hmm. you.